Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hi, Em. Do you miss me? Or are you like, so glad you're gone? Um, hmm, that is a... You're taking way too long to answer this question. I, yes, miss you. I am mad at your baby, so. You are what? I'm mad at the baby. Oh, yeah, I mean, aren't we all at this point? Uh, tell the folks what I had to hear. Listen, everybody, I mean, Em's gonna probably tell it better, because they're more emotionally distraught about it um, i feel like you're emotionally you're more of a, emotionally invested though so well, maybe that, that's tell the story. i was definitely we had a little bit of a i mean this is not a joke em, em literally canceled their flight it was sunday and em was scheduled to fly home and all of a sudden that morning i started having contractions and they were like back to back to back to back and i was like are you fucking kidding me the second i'm about to literally i was like what i had to be at the airport at by three and at 250 i canceled my flight you were like well christine we have to leave in an hour what are we doing and i was like shit i gotta like make up my mind now <laughs> and i was like em you can leave and i was like if this baby's going tonight i'm not leaving like i you know i'll be here and i was like well that's i, I don't know i just felt terrible and then we went to the hospital because i was like well they're every two to three minutes like they're really they felt pretty intense like I don't know. That's just what the internet and the, your providers tell you is like, once they're five minutes, you know, and M kept doing the quote from the office, like five to seven minutes. And, uh, <laughs> well, also Christine's were like at like four minutes. Some of them were at two minutes. And also she has such a high pain tolerance that when she said, I think we should go to the hospital. I was like, Oh, the baby's going to be here in a hot <laughs> second. <laughs> I really worked myself up. And then of course being me and being impatient, I was like, well, no, this has to be it. There's no question. Like, I'm just going to decide it right now. So we went to the hospital and they were like, um, well, you're on the way, but like, you're not quite there yet. And they sent us home and it was so disappointing i had like i had taken a picture of christine and blaze as like their last family pick of them it was just the two of them and i planned on having a whole sleepover with geo and walking him around and feeding him dinner and taking care of the house big plans we had also you missed out on some really delicious mac and cheese christine because uh i my original plan okay so my mom always told me that if someone you know is like about to have a baby if you are in their area or staying with them or something the nicest thing you can do is like 
get rid of the other things that would be on their mind. Like no one wants to push out a baby and then come home to dishes in the sink. Right. And so uh, I like a plan on like, oh, I'm going to be here all by myself. I'm like, I'm going to like have like Instacart send over a bunch of stuff. I'm going to make them some casseroles. I'm going to clean their house for them. And as I was about to put in the Instacart order, you said, I'm coming home. And I went, (laughs) "Uh, uh aha. So she's just not going to get any nice I should have waited like 20 more minutes to tell you. (laughs) Really like a good 90 minutes. You would have had a a hot, fresh mac and cheese to walk home into. Uh, It was such a disappointment. I know. And it was a few days ago. So then Em finally did leave. And now we've been convinced that like the moment Em leaves, the baby's going to be like, tricked you and show up but um i'm 39 weeks um i went to the doctor today and she was like or the midwife and she was like all right you're you're chugging along it could be any day now any minute now and i was like oh my god so i'm once again having contractions but i guess i'm in prodromal labor fun facts everybody which is apparently a super fun thing that happens where you're just kind of in labor for days to weeks with it's already weeks i'm pretty sure it's been weeks uh yeah it has (laughs) been and i i kept being like this must be braxton hicks but like no they're way too regular and intense so basically my body's just like this is fun but no baby for you (laughs) as we were doing the ads christine was like i am having a really bad contraction and i went take a "Um, minute do what so do we mac and cheese (laughs) no you you lost your mac and cheese privilege that they that baby clearly doesn't want mac and cheese enough. So uh, anyway, um, so it's, it was a it was an anticlimactic, but I got to see M for an extra day, um, which was great. Two and days, two days, an extra two days, and we had a. Re- I it was the best week ever. It was the best week ever. I'm so <laughs> honestly like I'm not very good at being emotive, but I just want to say thank you for to you and Eva for making me feel so special and loved and happy, and it was just the best possible way to like. And I had a blast. Uh, it was also fun to visit someone in a town that was kind of a, definitely a smaller town than L.A., where, like, it wasn't like there were all these events that I felt like we needed to race out the door to. Like, it had a very sleepy vibe. I mean, I was also literally with a pregnant woman, but, like, it was <laughs> – it felt very much like, what do you want to do? Like, let's just go walk in, around Target. It felt very much like being back in Fredericksburg. Of, yeah. Like, nothing, nothing like – is really like expected of us you can just vibe and like i really like just sitting on the couch with you and just watching yeah TV we'd and be all like that. let's go out to dinner and walk around downtown and uh we did we did two ghost tours um, yeah christine did... who is supposed to be like resting is yeah, like now for that did two different two mile ghost tours and then we walked all around a baseball game it was crazy to be fair they were like well if you are uh having contractions like just stay on your feet and i was like well i fucking tried that it didn't do much <laughs> yeah we went to a baseball game we went to uh two mini golfs we went to jungle gyms i got to see jungle gyms uh, for the first a time. dream come true i tell you what and throw in two mini golf games at two the end golfs. yeah so it was, it fun. was fun it was a lot of fun we watched so a lot of reality tv we, oh my god we have a new show everybody uh, I mean, I've never had like a show. I don't think. I know, and it's also like not a new one. I don't think. No, <laughs> I think it's not. We're <laughs> it's... very behind, but it's called "Are You the One?" And uh, let's just say it's a game of strategy. And by season two, I had already created like a whole graph template on us, like oh, strategizing. It was very, it was very fun. By like, we had still had three episodes left, and we already figured out all the answers. It was pretty. Oh fun. my gosh, we. This is not a joke. So my brother and his girlfriend, they were like. <laughs> have you seen Are You The One? And we were like, nah. And they were like, it's so trashy. You guys should check it out. And so we were like, all right, Em, let's commit. Let's watch it tonight. And oh my God, in like three days, we were already finishing season two. We were like very invested. And Em was like, step aside, everybody, and open a <laughs> spreadsheet. And there was like a spreadsheet happening. And I was just It in worked, awe. by the way. So if I'm you're ever, you, if you're watching spatial, that show. 
it really was amazing because my spatial awareness, like everyone knows it's terrible, like directionally speaking, but like my spatial awareness apparently extends to spreadsheets because I was staring <laughs> at this going like, you need to walk me through every column and row. I don't get it. Like my brain doesn't, but M had like, I mean, just pages of like, sp- it was amazing. Anyway, so Blaze would walk you. in and we'd be like, look at our spreadsheet. And he <laughs> had to back out slowly, but it's a great. He was a Capricorn. Horrible. The second we said, look at our spreadsheet, he ended up staying. So he we were sh- fine. That's true. He did. He did find it suddenly more intriguing than he did before but um yeah no so it was, it was uh it's a wild show it's very trash but that's kind of the point so um it was a good time we had a good time um but yeah so thank you for coming and i missed you so much and it's not the same without you the cats and the dog just all they wanted to do was be around you the whole time i know i missed you also mooney and i finally met and we became friends that's so yep. precious um yeah, and also thank you for having contractions in the middle of my story because now if I make a joke and you don't laugh, I'll just assume it's like the baby's fault. I'll go like this. I'm... <laughs> and then you'll, no, you'll You'll just like blankly stare at me and be like, sorry, I'm having a contraction. I Sorry, it's... my whole body is ringing itself out. I'm in slight <laughs> pain right now. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, so here's my... um attempt at entertaining you and the baby while it's still nearby listen uh, i'm living the dream i'm eating a cliff bar drinking some coffee i'm having a good time so don't worry i think you're gonna like this story i wondered if i should keep it for halloween um and i decided no because i was already halfway through my notes and i didn't want to start (laughs) over um also it has a little bit of like a throwback to the tooth fairy episode which is super fun um so which i think well, we'll 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 get there, and then I'll do my little spiel. But this is what is your favorite type of ghost story to hear, Christine? I like cowboys. Is I that know. not it? No. What's your favorite? Um, on on the level of scary. <gasps> oh, poltergeist. Yes. Oh, poltergeist scare the absolute je- bejesels out of me. Okay. <clears throat> this absolute is... bejesels. <laughs> this is a poltergeist story. Oh which boy. Sounds. A little too, a little, it can't be real I, in my mind. We don't find out, but Stop, I can't. Start. You've, in the recent weeks, you've been starting all your stories with, it's not real, which is the, defeats the whole purpose of our damn show. It could totally, I mean, it, help, it, 
every ghost story Can't I tell could be it's total... real and everyone it else is... can decide. Honestly, as real as the gospel. Because I already so. believe it. So, and I'm usually the skeptic of the group. So, Hey, well, there you have it. It's, it could not be more real. Okay. Um, it is from 1696, 1695, sorry. And uh, Those years were very different, so <laughs> I would be careful. <laughs> I know. I need to watch what I say. Um, 1695, and it is a story from Scotland, and it is called The Ringcroft Poltergeist. Yuck. Um, it is also known sometimes as the Rarick poltergeist or the Mackie poltergeist. Basically, it happened in 1695, but a year later, people really found out about the story um, because it was published once in London and another in Scotland. But it was published in a pamphlet by Alexander Telfair. And you're going to remember Telfair because he's part of the story, actually. So he ends okay. up basically writing his own experience in this pamphlet called... This is the longest fucking title I've ever seen in my life, by the way. The pamphlet he wrote, where this, where he wrote the story in, is called A True Relation of an Apparition, Expressions and Actings of a Spirit, Which Infested the House of Andrew Mackey in the Parish of Rarick, Scotland, in the year 1695. Sorry, my audio cut out. Can you say it one more time? <laughs> I mean, like, really, like, it was a log line. It was, that is... was the title. Like, that's like when people are like, you're over, you're really over explaining this. Friend. It's like when you have to hit the word count on an essay. Um, yes. So. Oh, my God. Exactly. You're using the thesaurus and like showing off all your vocabulary. So uh, it was then. So it started out in that pamphlet in 1696, a year after the actual story happened. And then the story was republished in 1818. So a long time later mm. um, in a book called. Memorable things that fell out within this island of Britain from 1638 to 1684. So it was like history you haven't heard of, basically. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> Fun fact, I did not get a text back from you yesterday when I sent you a particular link. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I sent you something back and, and then I realized I never responded to your last thing. Because Oops. speaking of memorable things that fell out of history in an area, I... It, at the same time doing these notes, just found out about a memorable thing that fell out of history within my own hometown. Oh my God, I'm looking at it now. Holy chronology. Should I read the title that of what M sent me? Sure, yeah. It's from the Freelance Star, which once, by the way, featured Emothy. Um, and you. And Oh, I guess I was in it too. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, <laughs> M's local paper. And the title of this feature is called A Doggone Good Time, A Look Back at Long Ago Dog Marts. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So I'm in love with this. Apparently dog marts were uh yikes. I don't know how authentic this history truly is, but it was when settlers and natives it was like a trading mart for them. And I guess oh. I know, I don't know how oh. pleasant it actually was. But the the story that we're running with, apparently, in this newspaper is that it was a place for the natives to trade furs and produce for settlers hunting dogs oh wow um, but then over time it became uh like a it became basically like a dog auction for like 
people to like, and now it's, they still do it. They're bringing it back. I had never heard of this. And then Deirdre sent me this link and was like, did either of us know about this? And I guess it had like two big gaps where it stopped at different points. One was right. like World War II and then something else, but it officially ended in the eighties. And now they're bringing it back as like a big dog show where there's like dogs who do tricks. And then you can also play a bunch of games and there's like a huge adoption rescue foundation that's in charge of it. I okay, think. Okay. So now it's like rescue. Do- it's not like we buy them for, no, now I think it's like a like it's more, much more ethical. <laughs> um, That's fun. But uh, let me see. There was some little. It went through the whole timeline, starting in the 1600s. Yeah, I'm looking through the years. Like every year, they have a different update. This is wild. Which, by the way, I found out in this that 1698. You're not kidding. It started in 1698, back when Fredericksburg was called Leesland. Whoa. Um, and then I just wanted to read some of the some of the little things that happened yeah um so at one point by the way like i i never heard about this and it got so big that there was like fifteen thousand people attending every year it said that national geographic did a spread on it yeah it was like bonnaroo but for dogs like (laughs) how did it was um actually called (laughs) bonnaroo case we're wondering Uh, like how did i not know about this apparently it's like the biggest dog show or dog event in the country and still is or always held the the title wow um even in the 30s i'm just passing this one according to time magazine which holy shit this was mentioned in time magazine seven thousand people and 642 dogs attended the event um I think in one of these, there was a, like, the granddaughter, like, the dog granddaughter of the first mascot of Purina food was, was, <laughs> a like, celebrity ad- was adopted there. Aww. Then they also said that there was, um, uh, there was a dog that, oh, yeah, a National Geographic, there was twelve to 15,000 people at one of them, um, there was a one of the dogs, once he got adopted, he ran off, and then they did a whole spread about his, like, day in the woods before he got found and brought back home. But they had, like, crazy competitions here. They had, like, a, a boy's freckle contest and a girl's what? pigtail contest. And then they had children literally climb street lamps covered in grease <laughs> to, like... Okay, now was, I'm like, interested. This is I fun. was, like... It's so not okay for today's world, but also I would have given anything to watch a bunch of children climbing grease poles. Like that I would have been that so answer. fun. I changed that Remember when you said like, when would you go back to in time with the time <laughs> machine? I would just go to this dog fair and be like, what the hell am I watching? Uh, like apparently like this was like a massive thing and how on earth we never heard about this. I don't know. But I mean, anyway, so if you want to go look up the Fredericksburg Dog Mart, uh, it, there's like a Wikipedia page. There's apparently it's in National Geographic and Time Magazine. So, like, one of the coolest things to come out of my town, or at least the ethical parts, I'm not sure about how bad the history was. Anytime I see Native Americans in Virginia, I get nervous. Um, Understandably. Still sounds pretty cool. So, anyway, that was a complete um, tangent, but I saw memorable things that fell out of well, history. you and I was also like, wanted to call wow. me out for not responding to your text, which is fair. I thought that one was really going to get you. So, let's get back to the poltergeist. So the first time we ever heard about it was in this pamphlet. Then it was republished in 1818 in this memorable history book. Um, And it is considered, quote, one of the, well, it's considered one of the older spooky stories and, quote, must rank amongst the most remarkable in the annals of Scottish demonology. Ooh. Um, So in 1695, this was in Ringcroft, Scotland, which is in the parish of Rarick, which is why sometimes it's called the Rarick Poltergeist. 
Um, and it was on the Mackey family farm, which is why it's sometimes called the Mackey poltergeist. Okay. And so the family on this farm were, was Andrew Mackey and his family. Apparently, uh, in this pamphlet, they are mentioned a lot of times as like moral upstanding humans, like did not do anything that would have caused a demon to like show up in their home. Um, and one day it starts out hot. So (laughs) one day, Andrew... One day, Andrew found that all of his cattle had broken out of their bindings. Uh Um, And he thought that maybe they had bitten out of them or wriggled out of them. But it was weird that every single one had basically fled the barn. Yeah, like they all suddenly gained the skill to wriggle out of their bindings at once. Yeah. Um, And so he ended up bringing all the cattle back in and he tied them up with stronger tethers and tighter knots. But the same thing happened the very next Mm. day. So this time, Andrew decided he was just going to move all the cows from one barn to another and just tie them up there because he thought maybe the barn was doing... I don't know. He just was trying out a new thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, And so the next morning, he woke up thinking, okay, these cows are all going to be tied up in the barn. But uh, now there was one cow who had not only been wriggled out of his bindings, but was tied with new tethers outside of the farmhouse like almost as like a fuck you of like like, (laughs) the tethers had been lifted off of whatever post he was on and then the cow got drug out and then tied to a different thing outside right right like the top the the bindings are not the problem here right but he had got and the cow had gotten tied up so tight and so on a post so high that he was still kicking in the air like the cow had been lifted off of the ground but that's, like, the paranormal part of, like, who the fuck lifted a cow and, like, it's now just, like, hanging, Ugh. like, for for you to find. So that was when Andrew was, like, what the fuck is going on? It's not like someone's just, like, like cow tipping in the middle of the night. They're, like, literally someone lifted a cow in the air and it's, like, hanging from a tree or something. Oh, my God. So, um... That was all very odd. And then very quickly after that, they also started having some other experiences within their own house. For example, the Mackey family woke up to smoke one night and realized that their house was on fire. (gasps) Somehow in the middle of the night, I guess a large pile of like peat, which is like, Mm -hmm. I think some sort of compost, uh, it was placed in the middle of the house where it's like who the fuck brought it in, but also why was it directly in the center of the house? And then it mysteriously caught on fire by itself. (gasps) Oh no, this is very poltergeisty. All of this. And very quick. Like this guy went from nothing going wrong to a cow hanging in the trees or something. Zero to 300. Like now his house is on fire. Yeah. So soon after this, the family also started noticing that items were moving on their own. And the most constant symptom of this activity was that rocks out of fucking nowhere Uh were getting pelted at them even inside the house oh that's always so weird when the rocks somehow get in the house yeah and it's like they would materialize out of nowhere like you'd be in a room double check that there were no rocks take a (laughs) take a sigh of relief and then a rock hits you in the face can you imagine Um, every time you want to like read a chapter of your book by the fire you have to like (laughs) check for rocks first just to make sure you don't get pelted in the face but then have the paranoia of knowing that it will still hit you even though there's no rock um so apparently the rocks getting thrown would be even worse on sundays which is kind of creepy like the day of rest um 
And when they were praying, the rocks would especially uh, like to target good. the person who was doing the prank. That's not good. Um, by this time, like, weeks had passed, and this activity was plaguing the family. Even the kids were getting hit with rocks now. Um, and the kids thought that they were even seeing things, including what they thought was a man wrapped up in a blanket by the fireplace. Um, and I guess one of the kids actually was brave enough to try to talk to it or approach it. And it ended up being just a stool by the fireplace with a blanket draped over it, but nobody had done that. So it either feels like someone in the family is a really mean prankster while everyone's already on edge or this thing used household items to almost freak you out. Yeah. Intentionally wanted you to think someone was there. To appear as something else. Yeah. That being said, all the activity, including the rock throwing, is still happening. The kids are saying that they're seeing things. And eventually, uh, Andrew decides that he's going to seek out the local minister named Alexander Telfair, who mm-hmm. is the guy who ends up writing the pamphlet a year later. So right. uh, Telfair was able to tell the Mackeys that he was not surprised that this stuff was happening because the McNaught family, the family who lived there before the Mackeys did, also said that the property was cursed. So they, I guess the McNaughts, as soon as they moved onto the property, they said that it was just full of bad luck. All of their health declined. The crops weren't turning up. Like it was just, their farm was not doing well. And I guess in one account, which was also the the pamphlet also said this. So I'm just going to assume this is, the truth of it a few of the articles had different versions so i'm not really sure which one to follow but i'm just going to stick with the pamphlet um once the mcnaught family realized that the farm was cursed they had their oldest son go out to a local psychic and the psychic said oh yeah that farm is for sure cursed um and the <laughs> oh the, i like how she just knew this information it's like yeah for sure she, like wasn't gonna warn anyone who lived there um and so she said the only way to break the curse was that they had to find this stone in the front of the house um, and they had to pull it up because underneath the stone was a tooth (gasps) and the family would have to burn it to get rid of the bad luck which is very tooth fairy vibes because that that whole thing the whole reason the tooth fairy became a thing was you had to bury someone's teeth or burn it or get rid of it in some way or to throw them out, on the roof <laughs> or throw them on the roof or feed them to your dog it would destroy them in some way so that there would be no bad luck <gasps> interesting um, which is interesting because that was this is uh old time european and that was when the tooth fairy legends when like right. the tooth fables all kind of came out so uh it was just interesting that i just covered the tooth fairy yeah. and now i'm seeing it in a in action. in action love that so uh basically different accounts say different things but the gist that i was able to catch on to was that the family listened to the psychic they did go to the front of the house and they did find a tooth there so mm. in the pamphlet it said that there was some i guess this instead of the son going straight from the psychic back home to destroy the tooth the son ended up like on the way back home, got recruited by the military. And Wait, so what? <laughs> it's like very, got recruited by the military. So he had like a friend, like 
pass on the message for him, like go to his dad's house and like say like, oh yeah, this Wait, is what you have to do. he got recruited by the military and they're like, and we're leaving right now? Yes, it's right. What? I don't, it does not make sense, but apparently he like, was like. here's a bindle since you didn't pack one since you were going home. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It was like, now that you're being like shipped off to sea or something, I, I don't what know. What on earth? But he also had time to like go find somebody who would like be passing through town and yeah. get the message to his dad. So. Anyway, it, it doesn't make much sense, but uh, the way that that story goes is when the friend went to go tell the message to the McNaught family that, oh yeah, the psychic says you have to destroy a tooth. Which, by the way, can you imagine if you're a member of that farm and you're waiting for your son to come back and now there's a random person saying your son was deployed um, <laughs> in the last like five hours and also you have to destroy a tooth under like you'd be like this person is on something yeah 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 where did you hide you kidnapped my child I think because <laughs> you're not you're not well so uh but what ended up happening and like the final like nail in the coffin of oh the farm is cursed is when the guy when the friend went to the McNaught farm to tell them oh you have to destroy the tooth to break the curse by the time he got there um, Mr. McNaught had died from a mysterious illness or okay. something. So it was just kind of like a, ooh, they were right. It was still haunted or cursed or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, it that was the story that he ended up telling the Mackey family of like, oh yeah, people have died on the property. This place is super cursed. Apparently the tooth was at some point destroyed, but we don't know by who. Um, so, but the people who destroyed the tooth said that there was no longer any bad energy here, but maybe now that you're a new family, it became this whole kind of like, maybe it's cursed, maybe it's not. So right. I don't think, I don't think Telfair, the minister telling them the story, I don't think Telfair expected the place to still be cursed. Cause as far as he knew, the tooth had been destroyed. So he was only right. going to stay there just to tell them the story and like, maybe do a prayer with them. But while he was there, some rocks ended up getting thrown out of nowhere and the family freaked out. <gasps> and so he was like, okay, like I'll, you know, I'll Back stay at... with you. Yeah. It. So he ended up saying that he would stay with the family overnight. And so even though he had only seen a couple rocks get thrown, he wasn't really shaken yet. But when he prayed a second time, all of a sudden he was getting hit with rocks. And on top oh. of that, it wasn't just rocks anymore. Now there was like this staff or cane or something inside the house that was now floating on its own and just whacking him in the head. <laughs> so he was like, there's nothing here, but now he's praying and there's like a cane hitting him in the face. Now, like Ebony's, the ghost of Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> is like wandering around being violent unnecessarily. Well, apparently it was coming down on him so hard that the family could hear the swings coming Ooh. down at him. Um, so now there's a staff floating around. Apparently it was also hitting the furniture and banging on the floorboards at night. Um, and again, this was happening most often when people were praying. And since he's a minister, he was really getting the brunt of he's it. He's like, that's so, all I do is pray. <laughs> I don't know so how to live any other way. After the rocks and the staff are now the constant and Telfair's living with them. Apparently the Mackies and Telfair also started experiencing a phantom hand going around and hitting them, pushing them, <sighs> poking them, tugging oh, on their no. clothes, ripping at their hair. Um, Telfair says that he felt it for the first time while he was mid prayer. And when he looked at it, it was literally like just a disembodied hand on him. Ew. And then it vanished when, when Telfair noticed it. Um, ew, ew, ew. 
And then the family started seeing a little boy wandering around the house who apparently was around 14 and he wore gray clothes, including a bonnet on his head, which so stylish, very, (laughs) (laughs) couldn't be more tan France. I hope there was a French tuck involved. (laughs) And uh, neighbors who would even stop by after hearing what was going on, they would start getting assaulted now and rocks were starting to hit them and the staff was starting to beat them. And the family was waking up with bruises and scratches on them. The, they had blankets getting pulled off them. They were getting pulled out of bed. Apparently their some, one of them had their hair grabbed so hard that they felt um, unseen nails on the skin. Like someone had like (gasps) grabbed for all their hair on the head. They also heard whistling in the middle of the night. No, thanks. Ugh. And the family was truly just getting dragged all around their house. Their clothes were getting grabbed at. Furniture was flying around. Apparently, it would even shake so much that the house itself would shake. Um, <sighs> the, the furniture would shake that the house, so much that the house would shake. Um, there was banging on the roofs and in the walls. And I guess at one point, Telfair was like, this is too much. I, this is too, <laughs> too big for just me. And so he ended up calling into other ministers to help him. And by this point, um, Telfair is now calling this entity the trouble. That's and the worst, creepiest name ever. It's like, that's not helping anyone, Telfair. That sounds like a horror movie. So when they showed up, the activity, Kel Surprise, got much worse now that there's three ministers in this house. And... Uh, the activity was definitely more directed at them. Uh, what I thought was funny was one of the first things that happened to one of these new ministers when they came in was during prayer, their wigs got ripped off. <laughs> and then whenever they were trying to eat dinner, their napkins would get yanked away. <laughs> I like that. I it's like, like that. you're not going to look respectful. Your here. civility is gone. <laughs> yeah. No wigs, no napkins. Um, apparently it wasn't that the napkin itself was getting ripped away, but rocks at, at, from out of nowhere were being thrown into their napkin. So it was being flown off away from them or something like that. They wanted the <laughs> napkins. It was something about napkins. This ghost had a real issue with that they were getting away from. Um, so, which makes me think by the way, that none of the Mackie family uses napkins, like for them to all of a sudden have a problem with them when ministers got Well, isn't there. it the 1600s? Did people use napkins? I feel like that wasn't like a very common maybe it was like a, anyway. But maybe the thing like in your pocket, your jacket a pocket handkerchief? or A handkerchief maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that could be because I feel like it wasn't like, oh, let's get the paper towels out. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> true. I don't think they had bounty around. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I imagine farmers didn't have like handkerchiefs, but maybe like ministers would. I don't I don't know. Yeah, maybe the guys with the wigs were just a little too fancy for this ghost. <laughs> they were like, you know? get, get the hell out. Please. So uh, appa- so they were also getting pelted with rocks, but apparently the rocks that were coming at them were larger than any other rocks before. And they were being, quote, hurled with superhuman force. Ooh. Um, I these- could kill you. Oh, apparently one of the the two ministers was now having um, bleeding from the head because he'd been Uh, getting hit so many times. Oh. And the other was having uh, several bouts of mysterious strokes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, that's bad. Real bad. bad. It gets even worse because now instead of throwing rocks, um, we have upgraded to fireballs. Wait, what? (laughs) Um, So apparently there's... 
like like that peat that they found in the middle of the mm-hmm. house that like randomly caught on fire. So now that's oh. happening all the time, but now it's also flying around like the rocks. Fucking fantastic. And um, catching everything in the house on fire. Why not? Um, why not? I mean, at this point, I would be surprised if fireballs getting thrown around the house weren't catching things on that's fire. That's a very but, good point. It would have been weirder that way. Yeah. <laughs> if it just extinguished itself. Yeah. Um, it was like, never mind. But can you imagine being a fa- like every time you turn around, like if the rocks are getting thrown around that constantly and now they're on fucking fire, <laughs> imagine the stress level you're at. Like yeah. you are always walking on eggshells. And you're having like, strokes every five minutes. You're like, this is People not are bleeding good. from the head. Like your house is shaking. Your kids are seeing a little boy. You're getting your head, your oh hair God. ripped out. And now everywhere I you turn, something's on wig. fire. You can't even use a napkin. My napkin is on the floor. Now you've got I like mean, greasy terrible. fingers and you just, you're dancing Fucking around a. looking for something. Um, I can't wipe it in my wig because I just have to put it in my hair. <laughs> Ugh, well, can you imagine if someone used their wig as their napkin? Just I'm like, telling you, it would have been better than your own hair. It's the you could wash that true thing. True greaser life. So uh, Telfair called in even more ministers, which means now rocks are that getting thrown even smart harder and like learn from your past bring in like a like a a trouble town troublemaker right yeah bring someone in that this guy that the demon can relate to yeah exactly he's clearly intimidated by the amount of ministers um so as soon as uh he brought in more ministers more rocks were getting thrown around so hard now that the house is shaking some of them are flying into the walls like getting thrown so hard that they're breaking the walls Mm -hmm. um and as soon as, uh, oh, and then during all of this, Andrew Mackey's wife finds a floorboard that was loose. And when she lifts it up, she found the <gasps> remains of a body. She found at least seven <gasps> bones. Um, apparently oh the pamphlet said there was also some flesh left over, which like how <gasps> fucking old was that flesh and how did it retain any image Seriously. of flesh? Um, and then something else, but it was all wrapped up in like paper packaging. Like, Ew. so she ends up bringing it to Telfair. Um, but I guess once she lifted it out of the ground, it was technically disturbed remains. And so it only pissed this thing off even more. And it seemed to cause just even more angry fireballs throughout the house. So now it's oh, even throwing geez. rocks that are so hot that they're catching the bed sheets <gasps> on fire. Oh. Um, at one point, there was a fireball that got thrown at the kids while they were sleeping, and the bed sheets caught on fire. There was the staff who could forget this cane that's still floating around. Oh, I can't forget it. It was thrown near the kids so hard that it broke and stuck into the wall. <gasps> um, and the neighbors who were still coming in to check on them, which, by the way, neighbors of the fucking year. Um, I'm honest to God. <laughs> or, or just like so nosy, you know? I, so, okay, actually, now all of a sudden I relate to these guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I probably would be like, I'm just checking in. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> I brought a casserole. I would literally only bring a casserole to see if it would fly across the room when I gave them napkins to eat them with. I would um, go to the party store and buy a wig and be like, what happens if I show up with a wig on? <laughs> Well, so the neighbors who were there, they were also getting stones thrown at them. And the next morning, by the way, this is really burying a lead. And, like, I don't get any more information out of it. Um, At some point, as the neighbors are getting pelted with rocks, um, the next morning, Andrew finds a letter that is, quote, both written and sealed in blood. And then that's it. That's all you fucking hear. (gasps) 
<laughs> I was like, Wait, sealed in blood. Sealed in like now blood, dried blood is holding this letter. Apparently written in blood. That is repulsive. I well, he, I don't understand. I feel like I missed a big paragraph of an article or something. But like the all I could see from like the writing of the letter was that it was complete gibberish. I mean, it might have been another literal language that I just don't know. Maybe it was like. Uh. What is what's the language in Scotland? Don't ask me. Okay, that. it's not Celtic. That's or Gaelic. That's that's Irish, right? I believe Gaelic is Irish. Okay, everyone. Don't that, ask me. That okay, question. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm a stupid American. Um, but the yeah, I but so whatever was written there, I could not. I, I it literally did not make any sense to me. I saw the word Scotland in there, which makes me think they are actually full sentences, and I just couldn't read the rest of it. Um, and it yeah. was written in blood. Written and sealed. Oh, God. Um, so Telfair and the other ministers that were with him, they are now, they go into this house to pray and they bring that letter and the bone fragments that the wife found. They bring <sighs> both of them together um, to go into the house to pray and they all get assaulted during the prayer. <gasps> um, this is when the Mackey family finally decides that they're going to leave the house. Okay. All right. And finally. But as soon as they leave the house, which, like, lets you know that there's some, like, weird poltergeisty attachment situation happening. As soon as they leave, the neighbors and the ministers are all like, nothing's happening here. Like, there's <gasps> no activity. Oh, and the And the Mackies took that as, like, oh, problem solved. And so no, they just no. moved right back in. No, no, no. <laughs> they moved right back in. It was, like, they were gone for, like, maybe three days. No. Um. So Too the family, they come back. And of course, the family keeps getting hit with rocks and fire, and and now they're starting to hear this entity. And so, whenever it throws fire at them, it says, "Quote: Take that till you get more." Okay, uh, that sounds like a good song. <laughs> Take that till you get more. Ooh, hang on a second. Let's we'll put that on the album that we that we release. Our album that we're yeah working on right now. By the way, we're totally doing a spoiler a par- alert. Paranormal spooky album. <gasps> By the way, speaking of paranormal spooky albums, I know we already knew this, but I'm allowing myself to still be mind blown anyway. About ZB. About ZB. But have you? There's one song that um, Allison and I recently started listening to unironically because oh, it's M, no. no because it's so ridiculous hang on um spotify I, i'm like trying to find it last minute because i how was not you planning find, on talking how did you both this. find it well it's, well because i told her i was like so zach bagans we were on a road trip or, or drive we were in la traffic probably that's our road trip um and we we had nothing to do, and so <laughs> like, I was. When were you on a road trip? <laughs> we were just stuck in good old fashioned traffic, and I was like, "Oh, you know, like Zach Bagans has like an album, which like it's not really an album. It feels like someone else used a bunch of his clips and put them in front of music, but um, there's one called uh, oh god, the album I think is called Necrofusion, right? Do you know this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's. There's what? one that we love, and I, I forget what... I think it's the one called Immortal Portal, and... Oh, for God's sake. It's so funny, because he... It's I'm not, I'm gonna completely butcher it, but it's the one wherever he like he talks about Rhonda or like a spirit named Rhonda. If you go find that, one, that's the one I'm talking about, because uh, it's just his 
he's like clearly talking into like a spirit box or he's doing some sort of like EVP session. And that's the audio clip that they use on top of this like really Shut like head bangy, like goth emo. Yeah, he does like hardcore, like it's like not even house music. It's like full on techno. Like, like hardcore. Yeah, it's something like weird. EDM. Yeah. yeah. And so, but so the, the audio is like him trying to get a response out of a out of a, a spirit. And the way that he reacts to it, he at the end he goes, "Holy shit!" And then there's like this crazy head banging music afterwards. What? Why didn't you immediately send me this? My feelings are hurt. I'm sorry. We'll listen to it afterwards. But at, okay. uh, uh, just if you go, I think it's Immortal Portal. Please go listen to it. And it's like me and Allison's like one of our favorite songs because it's just so wacky. Well, you know, my uh, doula said, "Oh, you should prepare a you and." Blaze should prepare um, an album, like a like a oh my playlist. God. Do not have your baby playlist. come into this. <laughs> Literally, you are the immortal portal, by the way. Like, so like, please don't put your baby through that. Oh my God, <laughs> but can you imagine? Oh my God. You are literally, your body is literally a portal for someone on the other side to come into this side. And if you play immortal portal while that's happening, that's, your baby will for sure come I mean, out as a demon. We keep joking. Be, the baby will be Rhonda. <laughs> holy shit holy shit Rhonda's here <laughs> okay anyway um please go listen to a, a mortal portal that's anyway so that's on zach's album our album is coming out soon it's called uh what's it take that till you get more yeah so take that till you get more holy shit okay so the <laughs> so then the to catch you up because wow what a tangent is they have come back <laughs> things are worse than ever and now they're hearing voices while they're getting rocks and fire thrown at them love it so um this is now late april and this all started in february so this is now months of this shit happening um and now the worst begins these last couple of days are the worst of it all because oh, now the worst now the wor- like what's a fireball anymore so andrew <laughs> now is waking up to voices and this voice is now saying uh thou shalt be troubled until tuesday which basically says like i'm only i'm only here for a couple more days I'm sorry um, I'm overstaying my welcome, but the end is in sight or it's like the demons like even i'm fucking bored so yeah yeah um so thou shalt be troubled till Tuesday. And Andrew, I guess, speaks back to the voice and says, like, who are you? What do you want? Basically, this voice tells him that uh, this entity was sent by God to warn everyone to repent for their sins. LOL. Or else he will come back a hundred times worse for everybody. Okay, but like he seems pretty damn evil already. Like, yeah, what's a hundred times worse? Like and also everything's... he doesn't let you pray. So like, why is he sent from God? That doesn't make sense. Uh huh. Well, they do say that like doesn't the demon pretend to be? Oh, so we're thinking he's a full he's full of shit. Like he's lying. Yes, because then he says uh, the quote at the end of all this. He says, "Praise me, and I will whistle to you. Worship me, and I will trouble you no more." ah worship me got it okay so basically saying like oh like yeah like you know pray to me and so and also god is so totally cool with this don't even worry for sure signed off on it. he signed off yeah um and andrew basically says no i love god i'm not gonna be tempted by satan and then the next day the house is set on fire seven times in a row oh my god um so shit um so big day for andrew but also yeah. like kind of a normal day at this point but also just the average <laughs> like, like your typical typical tuesday so uh, uh the next day 
after it caught on fire seven times in a row, it caught on fire again. But this time, every time a part of the house was extinguished, another part would immediately catch on How fire. How annoying. So it was just like whack-a-mole all day, but your house is catching on fire if you lose the game. Horribly annoying. Um, so this led to actually the part of the house. Like at this point, it, so many parts of this house have been caught on fire for months. Like it was bound to happen. But on this day, part of the house collapses. Right. Um, and then the next night, one of Andrew's kids gets pulled out of bed and apparently like up a tree What? and hears the voice of this spirit saying, if I had commission, I would brain them. <gasps> and he kept saying commission in another conversation with, in that conversation with Andrew of like, oh, I have commission. Like I have approval from God. <gasps> so if, scary. if I had commission or if I had approval from God, I would brain them. I would kill them. <gasps> Oh, my God. So, like, and therapy was not widely uh, accessible in 1695. So this poor child. Yeah. Um, So now the kids are getting dragged around and hearing that they would get killed if this thing had the ability to. Um, Still all these fires. The house is collapsing. The the rocks are still getting thrown everywhere. The cane's getting thrown everywhere. Um, The house is still shaking. The furniture's flying everywhere. Um, and the neighbors are getting assaulted. And the minister now now requests that other townspeople join them in prayer because they're going to have they're going to create like I don't know Guinness World Records biggest prayer circle and just like hope that that does something. <laughs> um, so they have all the neighbors come over. Which, like, if you were that nosy neighbor who just wanted to be in on the drama, and now you're getting like swept into this like. Pr- prayer situation yeah. i'd be so over it um <laughs> i'd be like i just wanted to know i didn't want to be involved no, i didn't <laughs> ask for this so the everyone starts praying together um apparently rocks and now mud are getting thrown at them by unseen hands all of them at one time while they're praying apparently a lot of them get grabbed or literally lifted off the ground um eventually some of them start noticing that while they're praying there is a massive black fog materializing in the corner of the room and it flies out of the house and it catches the shed on fire but after this event the activity never came back oh and so i guess this was like the world's first exorcism or something i don't know (laughs) or just like that big of a prayer circle did something so eventually the house it, nothing no more activity came from it but it was in such disrepair after all of this that the Mackey family moved away um wow. and today the property has nothing on it but there is one lone tree there that i guess marks where the location of the house used to be oh. and so just as quickly as it showed up in our lives it fucking left and wow. some think that the activity was just Mackey's kids like like pranking gone wrong and they had to like keep it up. But imagine being a kid and you're like, now I'm throwing fireballs at dad. Like now I'm hanging myself in a tree. Like, so a lot of people try to say it was like the kids or like the voices people were hearing was like ventriloquism or, um, or that they were just like little pyromaniacs and (laughs) like had to blame (laughs) it on something else. So, um, some say that the activity actually came from Andrew Mackey himself being involved in witchcraft, which if you think about it, it was, 1695 and that was around the witch trial area 
Yeah. Others say that the whole story is fake and was used as a scare tactic because it was literally in a pamphlet written by a minister. Sure. So they think like, oh, this is just a scare tactic to convert people to religion, mm-hmm. especially during witchcraft era. Um, and that being said, though, it was for a long time, and I guess depending on who you talk to, is still considered a legitimate source on demonology because there were so many ministers and eyewitnesses who vouched for wow. it, according to the pamphlet. Right. Um, <laughs> but Telfair did end the pamphlet um, with a quote saying, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, waketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So Ooh, those are big, heavy hitting words there. Especially for someone who is uh, looking for proof of God and spirituality and all that. So anyway, just it. most people say it's probably just a an allegory or some sort of anecdote written by a minister to convert people. But Oh, well, that sucks. Anyway, that is the story of the Ringcroft slash Rarick slash Mackie Poltergeist. That's fascinating. I mean, I feel like even if, say, it's exaggerated and, like, only, like, an eighth of it were true, even that would be wild. Like, even... So, I mean, I know that's probably, no matter what, probably been exaggerated over time because, like, that's a lot to have happen. But, like, I don't know, even if there's a kernel of truth to something like that, I feel like that's pretty crazy. I I do think that, I mean, I guess at this point, it's been uh, so many years. There's no one to talk to who's been there. It was literally right, sure. from before the 1700s. But, right. uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, someone at some point, like when it was written in 1696, I would think people at least in 1697 had heard of it. Like, I wonder if it was more fake then because less people could vouch for it versus now maybe it's even more real because we it's gone down in history yeah yeah i don't know and i wonder how much is real like there's no way that it's still completely accurate after sure centuries exactly but, but then again a lot of that information came straight from the pamphlet from it was written the year after source. so maybe right. it was actually shockingly accurate maybe you know? some of it was true yeah i don't know wow fascinating well, thank you, Em. I'm, poltergeists really do freak me out. Um, one of the stories, I think this was the one tour we went on without Eva, or I don't remember if it was the one with or with, without Eva, but one of them they talked about a... No, it was the one with Eva, where the guy um, talked about how the... Oh, we talked about this even last episode, but how the pictures on the walls all flipped t- toward the mm. wall. Yeah. And everything was gathered in the middle of the room. Like, that shit is Was so... that Cincinnati or the Kentucky one? That was a Cincinnati one. That was the, the one ghost he said. The ghost tour. Yeah, he said we were downtown. That was downtown where that woman was killed, and then mm-hmm. the radio host guy lived in her old apartment. And when came he came back from a two day work trip, and like all his pictures on the walls had been flipped toward, the- which is almost creepier than them. Like, ugh, I just have such me too. Cam thinking it gets about that. Me every time. Um, just because like it's not like somehow like the wire or string broke and it fell and it off fell. and you can right. you can't justify it lifting off the nail to turn around and, and then flip land. around. Yeah. Mm-mm. And like what is the mean like the symbolism or message behind that is so creepy too. Like, yeah, it's like either ugh. we are too uh not we're not enough in the know to understand what it means, or the only point of it was just to 
it freak you out intentionally. Like there's no something sinister. It doesn't sound friendly. (laughs) It It could mean like it doesn't want your, like if your friends and family are the ones in the pictures, like maybe it doesn't want you to look at them or it doesn't want them to look at you. They don't don't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Super creepy creepy stuff. Um, Yeah. Poltergeist shit is spooky. Um, Oof. Wait till there's a poltergeist uh, cowboy. Then I will be on board. I keep looking for one for you. Like it's at some point, I promise I will do my best at the very my least. next birthday. Maybe that'll give you like, I need to know like what cowboy adjacent is like, maybe, what if it's a horse poltergeist or like, what if it's like a, like a, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's going to be a full cowboy poltergeist. Thing. All right, fine. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll let the masses find find out for us if anyone knows of a cowboy poltergeist i will cover it i just have yet to see one <laughs> uh, okay let me mark my contraction all right oh, god every five minutes and 50 seconds right now every minute and 55 no, no. seconds five minutes and 50 seconds. christine schieffer i thought for i was like get in the car well <laughs> apparently like... they told me it doesn't matter what the timing they were like Oh, the timing between them doesn't really matter as much. And I'm like, why does everyone act like it's the most important thing then? And then, of course, they keep saying the thing of, oh, you'll know. And it's like, well, obviously not, because I already went in and they were like, you're wrong. It would be very cool if your water broke on the show, though. Like, talk about, like, a full circle (laughs) of, like, starting the show with strangers. And now, like, your literal water is breaking. Every time you say that, I'm like, wow, that would be mind blowing i mean i'm gonna facetime you immediately because the whole time em was here it was like did your water break like i would literally go to the bathroom and walk in and like look at em and they'd be like did your water break i'm like no you would hear you i would tell you trust me i Um, was very excited especially i wanted it too i would have loved that i kept uh, like anytime we were watching that reality show which by the way was hours of our lives we'll never so many hours the last few hours you have left of peace and quiet you chose to watch like an mtv reality show with me and nothing i had my face like fully on christine's belly the whole time trying to pep talk this baby out i was like you can do it i and by pep talk and sh- was like get the fuck out of there you little <laughs> i was rat. like you do not want to start on the wrong foot with i'm trying every t- tactic <laughs> i'm trying like positive reinforcement negative reinforcement like at one point she got the hint because she kicked me in the face directly so in the directly face. And, i was like was like give me a little kick and i was like you're gonna regret this and then the, bam the baby went crack a towel right in my nose i was like <laughs> wow okay i so you hear me and yet you're still not leaving why explore new possibilities pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. 
And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, well, um, I have a story for you today, and it's just fucking awful, so I apologize for that. Um, is it a two-parter? Or is no, it... it's a one-parter. Good, I get all the trauma in one fell swoop. But it'll be over. By the end of it, it'll be over. Uh, Great. Until next week when there's a new one. But hmm. this, as far as I know right now, is a one-parter. Okay. And this is the case of Moses Sitole. Otherwise okay. known as the South African Strangler. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, he has a little nickname. He's also known as being responsible for the ABC murders. So ABC murders? Why ABC? I guess I'll find You'll out. You'll find out. Okay. Uh, so the uh, last nickname of the ABC murders is actually maybe not the most helpful. So we're going to kind of leave that aside because it's actually... Also, the name of a novel published by Agatha Christie in 1936. Oh. Uh, the ABC Murders. So, um, just side note that that's a completely so separate thing. I, I was going to say, so it's completely not about this. It's not about that. So, okay. usually the South African Strangler is probably more specific, like just him. Nickname. <clears throat> so, December 4th, 1997, Moses Satole was found guilty of 38 murders and 40 rapes. And Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 38 murders and 40 rapes? Yeah. So that guy is, like, not coming out of jail. Yeah, he's in trouble. Oh, my God. He okay. did a bad thing. A lot of bad things. Uh, he was sentenced to jail for, if this answers your question, 2,410 years. <laughs> <gasps> 2,000 what? 2,410. 2,410. I like how they just threw the extra decade on there. Just, like, like, you, <laughs> like while we're at it. Like, I think 2,400 years is enough. There's no, no, no estimating. No, no, no. Yeah, we're right, just going right. to be very specific. Yeah. So 2,410 years. Um, and uh, the sad, other sad part is a significant number of his victims were never identified. So oh, this is just all that we know shit. about. Which So really no total justice. Exactly. Like, like we don't uh -huh. know even what the full extent of it was. Um, 
So there's not a lot about this online. Um, and there's, again, not a lot about the victims. Uh, like, hmm. there were so many, and so many of them are kind of have flown under the radar. So we're just going to try to get as much info as possible. But um, it was hard to find, you know, really. Yeah, uh, how did you, if, if it's hard to find online, how did you find this? Well, was I mean, like there's definitely or? information online, but it's just like, you know, they say like 40 victims and like not all of those people are given you know a full profile like we don't sure we just don't know as much as maybe you would know about like someone with five victims yeah right yeah like a more well i don't know documented or i don't know if it's because of the number of victims or if it's because it's just not as covered as some other stories i'm not really sure but um okay there's only certain victims that we get like a full picture of and then not everybody so gotcha. let's see Moses Satole. He was born November 17th. Um, that is a Scorpio, isn't it? Well, hmm. no, <laughs> no comment. comment. No comment. November 17th, 1964 in Vosloris, Transvaal. Oh, also, this is in South Africa. And um, fun fact, not the easiest dialect for me or not the easiest pronunciation. So if I'm screwing things up, I did look up everything on YouTube. So hopefully I'm saying it right. But if not, I apologize. <laughs> okay. Uh so the Transvaal province of apartheid South Africa as one of five children to Simon and Sophie Satole. When he was five, his father passed away. And so with his mom, Sophie, as a single mom, unable to support her children, she left all of the kids at a local police station. And wow. they were from then on homed in an orphanage in KwaZulu-Natal. But after three years of what was described as systematic abuse... Uh, Moses ran away to live with his eldest brother, Patrick, where he made a living working in the gold mines of Johannesburg. So tough start. Okay. Yeah. It seems does to be a pattern. Started rough. Okay. Yeah. So as he's working in the gold mines, he's also working other small jobs to earn a living. Um, for example, he liked assisting street kids. This is a quote to the point of getting them back home. He even ran an organization called youth against human abuse, which aimed to end child abuse. And, yeah, like, it seems like a good thing, obviously. Um, and he had this kind of caring personality that made him, let's just say, very attractive to a lot of women. Because he had this seemingly empathetic uh, approach to life. And I guess, let's say, it was deceiving. So, he... I mean, so far, he sounds like a... Like, it sounds... The the organizations and all that, at least, he sounds like a good person. Yeah, it sounds like he suffered a lot and then, like, came out of it and said, like, I'll help other people who suffered. Right. And then, like, no, not even a little and, bit. And <laughs> then, yeah, okay. I don't know it. what happened or if he was if lying you, the whole time. I don't know. You really could have gone a lot of directions uh, in terms of setting the story. Yes. And I could have fallen for this guy real quick. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad that you didn't do that. Yes. And we've watched enough reality shows recently to kind of um, be wary of our initial yes. <laughs> assessments it's of people. quite true. That is quite true. <laughs> so I will say from my perspective, and like, I don't know, you'll get a better perspective soon. But from my perspective, this is all a bunch, like, all a front. This is a front okay. for him to lure people in who find him empathetic and caring. Got it. Okay. And he kind of uses his business, quote unquote, to, like, lure people in. So I think this is all a front, Ugh. which is almost scarier that you would, like, intentionally he... be so empathetic. Yeah, that he knows what yes. what he is capable of, and yet he's still choosing a different route. Yes, and he's pretending especially because to be like his his if his argument would be like, oh well, I suffered, I want to help people who suffered. 
And it's like, oh, well, you're aware that you're these people suffered. You're self-aware enough. Exactly. And you know, you know what they must have gone through. And you're still yeah. like, eh, it's worth it. You're like, oh, I'm self-aware enough to know this is what I should be doing or could be doing. But I don't want to. So I'm just going to strikes me. He strikes me as one of those people who's like, oh, I suffered and I'm fine. Look at me. And it's like, yeah, look at you, dude. <laughs> look like, at you it's making other cute. people suffer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly the kind of vibe I'm getting from this. It's a little unclear, okay. but that's kind of my theory. Um, so this seemingly caring behavior made him attractive to women. He was actually known to be sexually active starting really young. Um, oh. And as soon as women would begin a relationship with him, he became pretty aggressive and often violent. So his Oof. relationships were short-lived. Um, psychological analysts have seen his behavior towards women as a backlash toward his mother uh, for abandoning him. So that's one of the theories is that, like, he he just viewed women as, like, an extension of his mother. I mean, it's a very classic, sure. like, Freudian situation here. Yeah. Um, that's one of the theories. And so according to one article by Nicole Gisson, in 1987, Satole committed his first sexual assault. He convinced his girlfriend's sister to take a walk oh. with him. Once they were out of sight and where no one could hear them, Satole attacked her. Her name was Patricia Kumalo. She was 29 years old. And um, although this is the first documented victim, uh, a lot of people, most people believe there were more victims before this that we just don't know about. So okay. this is so the first she's on like record. Technically assault one. Yes, but. exactly. Uh right. in theory. So Moses had a routine. Uh he would lure these women, usually between age eighteen and forty-five, in broad daylight, offering them desk jobs at his organization, at his like helping youths get off the street. And so uh -huh. he would offer them a job and then he would assault them. Yeah, so, well, I feel like that's yeah. also a pretty common thing too. Of like now you're you've got this power, uh, power situation yes, like, going on where it's like I'll fire you if you don't. A dynamic. Something. Well, they never. He would like say, "Oh, I'll I'll get you a job. Come to my business," and then he would attack. Like there oh. never was a job. He oh, he oh, would oh, like oh, oh. use that as an excuse, which for is them to like come be in his office with alone with him. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Okay. And I think, yikes, that's still horrible. Oh, it's horrible. And I think that's why my theory is like. Oh, he uses business because it's so it's disarming to say, oh, I have a business where I'm helping kids. Why don't you come help work for me? And he was very charming, apparently. And so he'd say, like, I'm doing this awesome thing. Come help me. And very disarming. And then, bam, yeah, 180. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Moses's string of rapes didn't come to a halt until February 1989 when he threatened a young woman named Uyiswa Doris Swakamisa with a South African machete. Uh, and that's Whoa. actually called a panga. But so he basically took a machete and uh, threatened her. And um, according to vocal media, she did not report the attack until three months later when she saw him again standing outside her new workplace. Oh, shit. So she was like, that's the guy that almost attacked me. Now I'm going uh -huh. to go report this. Yeah, now he knows where I, where I am again. Yeah, like where I work. And he's clearly either following her or trying to threaten her. Who knows? So she reported him to the police, and he was imprisoned in Boxburg Prison for six years, although he maintained his innocence during the trial. Um, he was in prison for four years, and then he was released for good behavior in 1993. And during his imprisonment, Satoli met and began exchanging letters with a woman named Martha. Ah, okay. <laughs> so 
Martha, uh, when he was released, allowed him to move in with her and her family. Oh, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Martha. Girl. <laughs> and that, girl. And that was in Pretoria in 1993. Uh, murder- and that means and that means the rest of everything that happens is in the next four years because he ends up getting charged. Or oh, my God. He has such a sent- good memory. How do you remember that? So actually, when you tell stories, I try to remember the year because I try to I know you usually start stories by telling me the ending first. Yeah. Like, and yeah, so right. then when you tell me like when the first incident happens, I think in terms Look at of you. Like, the year, I don't You're know. You're right. It's 1997. It's it's honestly like in terms of just like podcasting business it's i just think of how long the episode might sound if you say like oh and in 97 he was you know sentenced to xyz but the story starts in like the 30s i'm like oh we got 60 years of story to cover it's <laughs> <laughs> never gonna stop talking i guess it's it's just a way for me to mentally prepare how long my to keep my attention span running you know? oh great okay so now you've only got four years worth of attention span for me no, 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 no. It's uh, I didn't word that right, but it, I do think in terms of like, oh, I've got this many years to like keep track of. So. Okay, well, you did a good job because thank you. But then again, remember there were 40, 40 murders. So even though uh, yeah, it was only no, four so the, years, this is about to be a jam packed four it's years, a, it's a doozy of a four year period. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> exactly, he was released for good behavior in ninety three, and then as you as you so astutely recall, uh, ninety seven is <laughs> when when he gets back in there yes a suit (laughs) so martha 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 lets him move in in pretoria with her and her family and murderpedia describes the uh the lesson that moses learned in jail which is just this is this is kind of a summation of the next four years for him the lesson he learned in jail was that quote rape victims left alive can produce consequences (gasps) oh what okay well big, big you yuck. just kind of just told me the rest of the story big there, yuck, so. big, well i told you up front with 40 murders and 38 rapes, you, sh- but you yeah. sure did but, but yikes yeah. now that i know that like there was so he is now going into mm. every every rape not just as like oh i'm going to do this horrible thing and then impulsively also kill them it's right. like i'm going into this with the intention of they will be and dead they're not the coming out alive yeah which Ugh. is just so fucking dark and horrible okay Great. Yes. So that is exactly that's the turning point that happened for him in this first prison stint where he was like, oh, that woman that I left alive spotted me again and turned me in. And that's how I ended up here. So next time there can be no witnesses left alive. God, um, okay. Yeah. Terrible. So uh, no one knows for sure when he began raping women again, but alarm bells were raised when between January and April of 1995, Four bodies of young black women had been found strangled and raped uh, in a town west of Pretoria, which, again, is where he's living now with Martha. Um, And quickly after those women were found, more rapes and murders were reported in uh, the same town. It's called Adderidgeville. And unfortunately, however, the media didn't do much to cover the case. Um, As the police continued to discover more dead bodies and realize an M.O. was forming amongst the victims, they realized they were probably dealing with a serial killer. Uh, and so to put their theory to the test, the Pretoria Murder and Robbery Unit, is what they were called, created hmm. a team specifically established to work on this pattern of murders, uncover whether they were dealing with one or more murders, and track down the serial killer. So the murders themselves were very brutal. Um, yeah, I just, already. Well, didn't gonna... you say it was strangling? Yeah, he's the, he was the South African strangler. 
always terrible. Uh, basically, the MO involved raping the victim, tying them up, and strangling them with their own underwear. Oh, my God. <sighs> Holy shit. Yeah. And so pretty quickly, they were like, yeah, as we suspected, this is a serial killer because the MO remains the same across the board. And then, oh, gosh, the body of the two-year-old son of one of the victims was also discovered. Oh, my God. And that incited further media coverage. But even that was short-lived. So it was sort of like, that's probably mm. one of the reasons this case isn't as detailed online is it just wasn't covered as thoroughly as it probably should have been in the media. Um, whether that was because the victims were black or what, I'm not positive, but that's kind of usually where my mind goes with something like sure. this. Yeah. Um, so the media coverage, even when the two-year-old son was found, was pretty limited. That's wild. And, yeah. That should be the first. That it's be baffling, right? Like, what? Also, like, do we know anything psychologically about why he picked someone with a baby? Or was that like he needed, it was almost like he needed a new fix or something? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I'm. I feel like that's totally, like, a, compl- a completely it's just I mean, like my a, that's assumption an extra is, thing to have my to assumption deal with. was just this she happened to have a kid with her and he was like well it's another witness is my guess because he was his whole thing was get, getting rid of witnesses i didn't know I'm if he sure. had like all of a sudden like just killing women wasn't enough and so i mean i don't think so because that was the only that. one um oh, okay so i don't think that was like an escalation that went on I think that I just know. was one of the things that added media coverage when there was like none. Um, sure. So yeah, I'm not positive, but it doesn't seem Ooh. to happen again. So. Wow. Um, according to various articles, over time, police noted that whoever was doing this was evolving their murder technique to extract the greatest pain from their victims, which always gets me. Um, mm-hmm. Assumedly increasing their own pleasure uh, by doing so. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, The killer's means of approach was also clarified because in a significant number of cases, the victim had been apparently meeting someone who had promised them a job. So this is the same thing again where he's saying, oh, I have a job for you. Why don't we meet up? And he hasn't tried a new strategy at all. Yeah, this one seems to be working uh, for him. So he keeps doing that. Um, And so people who knew the victims would say like, oh, yeah, she was on her way to a, a new job meeting. Um, so it was also reported that in some of the murders, the killer would later call the victims' families just to taunt them for fun. <gasps> which That's sick. Sickening on like, top uh, of everything else. Like, duh, by the way. I know I'm not saying anything new, but, like, that's yeah. just, like, a whole extra level of twisted. It is. It is. Completely. Um, so September 16th, 95, a police officer who had been out hunting rabbits was suddenly hit with an awful smell, and it turns out he had stumbled upon a mass grave. Oh! Yeah. Uh, Whoa. So when this grave was discovered, it led to more mass graves being discovered nearby, and one of them contained ten bodies uh, <gasps> with varying degrees of decomposition. So he had just... been going out to the same spot over and over and yeah. burying. Which, like, by the way, like, if I... I mean, again, clearly I don't think like a killer, but, yeah. like... If I were to kill, like, I, I would live in constant fear if I picked the woods as the burial ground of hunters, like, and hikers. Like, people are out in the woods all the goddamn time. Like, it's not as secluded as you think. Yeah. I mean, I have, like, feel mixed about this because I feel like there are so many times where people do go missing in, like, wooded areas and they're just not found for, like, decades. Because, it, like, if you know the place to go, it can be really secluded. I guess he didn't know the right place. 
Well, he did because he ended up putting 40 bodies there before anybody found it. Oh, Do you know 40. what I mean? Well, th- there were multiple mass graves and uh-huh, got this it. one this one alone had 10 bodies. So clearly I for, guess he was on to something. For a while it was working for whatever I would it's just worth. I would just live in, in fear. I mean, it literally But also I think put a body anywhere. I know, but one of the I just read a book about uh about psychopaths. They don't really feel oh. that fear. There's not like a fear there. It's like, you know what I mean? There's not really a guilt, there's not a fear. Like we don't have that same mindset. In that one way only, it must be nice of like not right? having just constant anxiety. Yeah, but it's, it's sort of like an wow. overpowering, like oh, I'm, I'm good enough to not get caught sort of attitude. Um, huh. And so I think I think they wouldn't f- sit in that fear. They would be like, well, I guess that's fair. Everyone's okay. too dumb to figure me out. Um, yeah, yikes, big yikes. So he found this uh, mass grave, and then nearby there were several more. And comparing the bodies, uh, police quickly knew this was the same person, uh, obviously. And this is when we have a new character alert. Hmm. It's a woman named Mickey Pistorius, and she was South Africa's first ever profiler. The first woman in her field. And the aunt to a convicted murderer named Oscar Pistorius. Or Pistorius, sorry. So oh. she is quite a character. She, her nephew is a convicted murderer. She's the first woman in her field of profiling, and she's South Africa's first ever profiler. So she's like a big hitter. I, w- I wonder which came first, her, her nephew being a killer and then her becoming a profiler or her becoming a profiler and awkwardly having to study her own nephew. I'm pretty sure the crime came first. I remember oh. I read a profile on her. This is now weeks ago since we're prepping everything in advance. So I'm like totally I didn't write it down. But... Um, yeah, it was an interesting story how she kind of got into the field, but the case had now turned into a case of national security because of the serial killer. And so the president at the time, uh, you may have heard of him. Uh, his name is Nelson Mandela. He's pretty, oh, pretty well known, pretty well known bloke. Um, he visited the site where the bodies were found and pleaded for people to help with the investigation and stop the killer once and for all. And this is now when the media storm finally blows up. And uh, locals are terrified. It's obvious that the South African police had never dealt with someone working on such a massive scale. And now um, local authorities are under like massive amounts of pressure to get this solved. So they bring a retired FBI profiler named Robert Ressler on the case. Uh, so Ressler arrived in September of 95. So he and now Pistor- Mickey Pistorius are like a duo, like working side by side to try and figure this shit out. Which is power like a good couple TV show. potential power couple? I mean, at least in a career way. I don't know. Okay, I, I'm I'm not here to speak on their romantic interests, but at least on a uh, on a career front, they are a power duo. Love it. Yeah. So let's see. Um, he assisted with the development of a profile of the serial killer, and they decided that the uh, killer was an intelligent, organized individual with a high sex drive. Um, operating with a growing sense of confidence and perhaps with the assistance of a second killer. So they weren't sure if it was one or two people. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting too. So as Ressler and Pistorius were profiling this killer as well as investigating the site, they found some new critical information. Um, One of the women who was found, her name was Amelia Rapo... Okay, I tried so hard to find the pronunciation of this name. Rapodile, I think it's pronounced. Uh, had been spotted going to an appointment to see a man called Moses Satole on September 7th. 
So somebody she told, this guy's name is Moses Satole, and this person remembered that name. Thank God. Interesting Um, he would use his real name. I thought so, too. Yeah. Maybe it's his growing confidence they said he had. He just didn't give a shit. I don't know. I guess so, yeah. Or, yeah. I I was surprised, too. So doing some digging into this, authorities were able to find the job application and offer, and they found that Amelia was not the first victim to have been offered a job by this man, Moses Satole. Wow, this feels almost like a, a really easy case once they had his name. Once, it feels... once this one break happens, exactly. Yeah, it seems like they really got everything they needed They're on like, one. They're like, oh, Moses is just out here offering a bunch of women random jobs. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So as soon as they were confident that he was a suspect, they tried to locate him, but at first they had trouble finding him. Um, unfortunately, while this is happening and they're trying to figure out where he is, he's continuing to hunt and murder women. Uh, the next body they found was that of Agnes Mabuli on October 3rd of 95. And strangely that day, a newspaper called The Star received a call from a man who claimed to be the one responsible for the murders. And when they dug into his identity, he claimed to be able, or he seemed to be able to provide details about the murders that weren't public knowledge, which is always Mm. like kind of a big red flag. Um, And so when they hear this, they're like, okay, I think we found him. So they set up a meeting with the caller, but he never showed up. Uh, So it's weird. It's like they were, we're still unclear whether that was him because he never showed up. Sure. But like, he seemed to know a lot about the murders that weren't public. So yeah, it's at least fishy. It's it for is. sure at least fishy. Like, why would he be doing that? Just because he's so confident and, like, cocky? I guess if he's taunting the families, maybe he just taunting the newspaper? I don't know. Yeah, I, it has to be something about his... There's got to be some... I'm guessing some sort of narcissistic tendency yeah. there of, like, I can, like, get away with literal murder and might as well even give you some information. Want the like, attention for it? I'm, yeah, I might as well literally feed you information since you're so stupid you can't figure it out on your own or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's so weird because, like, we don't know if it was him or if it was a prank call, but I imagine it, it must have been him. Can you imagine if it was a prank call, though, and that guy was just, like, weirdly accurate about shit? Like, just, just like, like, knew the secret information? Yeah, exactly. Just, like, just, like spewing bullshit and, like, actually kind of nailed it on the Hit head. On something. Like, now he's like, whoa, it was a joke, everybody. It's like, I was you know? teasing, which it's, it, like, not a funny joke, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, you're right. I think it's probably him. And he, I mean, since he was taunting the families all the time, like he, maybe he just had like some fucking attitude problem and was like, I want yeah. attention. So at this point, they're like, all right, this is the guy. Um, so, the, so the, when the guy didn't show up, um, they, the police released a wanted newscast looking for Moses Satole. So now publicly, they're telling the world, like, we need to find this guy, Moses Satole. Um, so during this time, Moses had been in touch with his brother-in-law looking to get a gun for protection. Ooh. So in the call, the brother-in-law agreed to meet with Zatole. And he's like, yeah, I have a gun for you. And then as soon as he hung up, he called the police and was like, I'm meeting with him to give him a gun. Right, right, So right. I know where he is, which is like, whoa, what a badass. I'm, thank God. What a badass. And also, like, I like how the gun is, quote, for protection when we all probably know, like, the gun is, maybe the for strangling's pro- good. It's not about to be strangling it's, it's anymore. It's like for protection. Wait a second. Like, who do you need from protecting whom? from? Yeah. Right. So the brother-in-law's like, sure, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. I'll meet up with you. And then he calls the police and is like, we're meeting on this street corner or whatever. Um, so according good, way to, to go. Way I know. To go. Thank God. Thank God. Um, so according to an article on vocal media, Satoli's brother-in-law said, okay, let's meet at a factory. Um, and they secretly, so the police then, 
this is like a fun little heist situation not a heist but like a fun little like a quest an adventure (laughs) yeah like an adventure (laughs) a secret little a secret little plan (laughs) you know i love a secret little plan i love a secret little plan (laughs) so they're like all right we're meeting at this factory and the police are like great so we're gonna replace the normal security guard with a police officer who looks like a normal security guard so that he Uh. doesn't think the police are there and so when Satole arrived, he became kind of uneasy and attempted to flee. And the police officer was ready for this. So he took chase. And apparently Satole obviously didn't have his gun for protection yet, but he did have an axe. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> so, what is he, so, Thor? Are you kidding I know, me? I know. He had an axe. Why not? So he swung at the police officer. And in response, the officer fired his gun and hit okay. him in the leg and stomach. So he has now been um, incapacitated. He is transferred to the military hospital in Pretoria where he's treated and eventually confessed to the murders and admitted to police he thought there was a copycat murderer at large who was using his M.O. to kill people, which I imagine uh probably ticked him off of like someone else is using my, (laughs) I don't know, or whatever, whatever. Um, So five days later on October 23rd, 95, Moses Satole was charged with 29 murders and on November 3rd, he was transported back to Boxburg Prison, where he had served that initial rape sentence, like, a few years ago. Home sweet home. Home sweet home. They remember him yeah. well. Yep. Uh, during this time, press reports stated that he was HIV positive. And his trial began October 21st, 96, with the charges against him being 38 counts of murder, 40 counts of rape, and 6 counts of robbery. He pleaded not guilty to all of them. Okay. Wow. Okay, guy. Yeah, right. Also, mm-hmm. do we did he end up dying? He had did it ever turn into AIDS? Um, no, I don't believe That's, so. I I just I mean random question. I'm trying I to because I first originally got super mad that he like clearly had HIV and was spreading it to women, but then in my mind I was like, oh, and he's killing them anyway, so I don't know. Right, how true, bad fair to point. Be. I mean, fair point. Like, because if he if they were surviving and now he's also just like knowingly spreading HIV to like to people, fifty I, people or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I don't believe it. It well, well I, I will get there in a few bullets. Okay, actually. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. <laughs> it's a fair question, especially like I mean. We all remember the the fake HIV, yes, fucking report from what's her name story. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, okay, so the prosecution had a pretty straightforward case, obviously, and uh, with a collection of witnesses, including some of the early rape victims that he didn't kill, uh, like that woman Buyiswa Swakamisa. Um, it made for a really morbid trial with each murder and rape victim. They went through Moses's tactics of luring women in with his employment offers when actually he was priming them for murder. They also mm. went through evidence of how each of the victims was found and how they were murdered. So it was like just very graphic, very brutal, probably Jeez. very traumatizing to sit in on, especially if you were one of the early victims and then you had to watch. Are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Of everybody after you. I mean, horrifying. Horrifying. So December 3rd of 96, according to Crime and Investigation, the prosecution introduced a video that had been shot during Satole's initial incarceration in which he candidly admitted to 29 murders. He described his technique in detail, although he claims that he began killing only in July of 1995, selecting his victims for their resemblance to the rape victim, Uyiswa Doris Swakamisa, when uh, whom he regarded as responsible for his first jail sentence. Ugh. So to describe that in a more clear way, that first woman, Buyiswa, who was the one who called him out a few months later and had him sent to prison, he said 
he killed all these other people as revenge against her because they looked like her. And can you imagine the guilt that to, that to be poor put that woman, on you? Yeah, it's like I it's mean, it's your bullshit. Fault all, like it's, it's bullshit. But can you imagine hearing that being, and being like, like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, putting that on me. Yeah, exactly. And so, also, exa- if anyone yeah. ever, sorry, side note, but if anyone ever confidently said that they killed twenty nine people, I'd be like, "That's so confident that I feel like that's like there's." I feel like you're saying that too confidently because there's actually a bigger there's more number, to but the story. that's yeah. the one you're, that's the amount you're comfortable with. He's like, sure, with. yeah, 29, let's go with that, right? And it's like, I feel like if you say 29, I'm just going to immediately assume 50. Like, like just, just double it, right. Just because, like, you need to at some point feel shame. Like, that's, right? In no, my head, you're a psychopath. Least, Again, they don't, don't feel know. that. In in my head, I, I would feel some sort of... Well, you would. Sh- I you would. A normal I, I didn't even would. do anything and I feel shame. Yeah, so... Anyway, uh, yeah. So his his whole excuse now is like, oh well, they looked a lot like uh, this this woman who sent me to prison four years ago or to jail four years ago. So that's why I did it. And it's like that's the worst excuse ever. It's not even truly, an excuse, but like, what are you talking about? Hmm. So he said they resembled her, and that's why. And so uh, they there was a delay because this tape, the the legality of whether it was allowed to be introduced as evidence was questioned. Um, and because they weren't sure if it was recorded because it was recorded illegally in a jail cell. So they were like, is that admissible Uh, or not? So there was somewhat of a delay, but finally the judge was like, yeah, fuck it. It's admissible. It's part of the evidence. Thank God. Okay. So the prosecution rested its case August 15th of 97. Um, and the defense's whole standpoint was that Satole didn't have anything to do with these incidents. So this is his defense team is arguing. He had nothing to do with these incidents because he was innocent. Oh, <laughs> I know. Okay. I forgot okay. to tell you that part, and that changes everything. I this whole time thought he was guilty. Yeah, okay. I know. It's hard. It's right. right. Like it's really tricky. Uh, <laughs> it's it very complex. <laughs> I'm glad I have you on my side <laughs> to lead the way and say, yes. "Guess what?" His lawyer yep. says, "Well, he's not guilty. Why? Because he isn't." So they're like, "Oh <laughs> shit! No wonder." Right. Okay. Right. So that was literally all they had. There was nothing they had to present to be like, "Oh, he was." he had an alibi or he's a good guy there was like nothing they had so obviously that didn't bode well for him Mm. um he also took the stand which didn't end well for him either because he just went on rambling and incoherent statements didn't help him any so december 4th of 97 this was more than a year after the case had commenced moses satole was found guilty on all charges uh, it is said that because of the sheer amounts of counts he was being charged for it took three hours to read the verdict whoa because of the three hours yeah wow so like for each victim it would be like what he was found guilty of how long he was being sentenced for horrifying so uh his verdict was so long that the sentencing had to be postponed until the next day and the following morning the judge despite commenting that he had no issue in sentencing satole to death actually sentenced him to 2410 years in prison but don't worry, he has the possibility of parole in 930 years. <laughs> so Okay. We'll see. That's funny. Oh, that's I know. Isn't that wild? It's like, Very thanks. silly that they even gave him a chance. Thanks. You I mean, have a little some, bit of parole. I always wonder, like, what if they, like, develop some technology and all of a sudden we are alive for, like, three I think about years. that, too. I'm like, what, ha- what if then what? all of a sudden time really means nothing? But it's I guess like, okay. that's why they do it. They're like, we'll stick to 2,000 years and hopefully honestly if you can't like no, i 
actually I was about to say and it sounds tasteless so never mind I was gonna I was gonna say like if you're if you survived 2,000 years like at that point like go on and be free but like nah like nah. at that point let's make it 4,000 years let's you know? go to 2,410 and then we'll talk <laughs> maybe around 5,000 since we threw that extra decade in last time we might time. as well just double we'll just, the whole thing just do another yeah why not sure. just throw another century on next time I would say that's our call um yeah, Definitely. when you're that nasty, let's just keep adding years until adding. you actually, until time actually does stand still. I'm fine with that, yeah. <sighs> um, glad we're on the same page. So, Satoli cool, was put in Pretoria Central Prison, where, shocker, he's still serving time to this day. Uh, it is said that because he's in prison and has access to good treatment, this is kind of back to your question earlier, his HIV condition is being treated better than it would have been if he was out of prison. So he has access oh, okay. to better Got care it. now than he would, presumably, if he were out of prison. So according to True Crime South Africa, quote, outrageously, police allegedly did not inform Moses's common law wife, Martha, of his HIV status. And she had to find out from a newspaper oh, article. Oh, that's what I was afraid of. That's someone, someone got, it got to someone. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, she and her daughter were both tested and were also found to be HIV positive. Oh, his daughter too. Yeah, I Holy know. Fuck. Why does and this keep happening in these stories where they're just like, "Oops, we forgot." It's like, also, I mean, this is like, I don't know. Maybe it's not neither here nor there. But is was he ever casually just plain old fashioned cheating on his wife and just sleeping with someone and walking away, or was every time he had sex ending and killing? You know, I don't actually know. And there were so many victims that like. Because there were, uh, there were so many, there were dozens, and it's like that's the forty rapes are all we know about, but most people believe there are more. So it's like hard to believe he would even have time to be having an affair on top of everything else. Right. right. I just wanted to. I was wondering if but there's, there's anybody no else that could have it could have spread yeah. to someone else. Right. Who's know, alive? So. Yeah. There's there's no info on that that I could find, <sighs> um, but it is a fair question for sure. Because right, that would have lasting impact, obviously too. For sure. So anyway, that's the story of Moses Satole. Pretty fucked up. I'm sorry. I actually was going to record that one last week, but then you came to town and I was like, I'm going to switch it up and make it like not this one for a while really, in person. I was worried that once I showed up and like, I was like, <laughs> maybe she has to do her notes tonight. And I completely threw that wrench No, no, in, it's so. fine. I, I thankfully was prepared to do a separate one. Um, and flipped them so i because cool. i was like gonna do this one and then as i was reading it the day before i was like this is just gonna be i mean they're always a downer don't get me wrong but like <sighs> just this one's heavy on them. i had to do i was doing my notes on uh in the hotel because i so i saw you straight from denver right and so when i was in the denver hotel i had like some late night thing i had already signed up for and I ended up having to cancel last minute because i was like if i don't do my notes in this hotel room i'm never gonna get oh, them done no. in front of christine so we I never do up, we never do <laughs> so but in that moment i was thinking too like oh my god like i'm not giving her any warning that she needs to do her notes in advance and if i say anything <laughs> it's gonna fine. be so obvious what's happening anyway we figured it out we figured it listen out. we always do okay we always wing it somehow or another always by the skin of our teeth yeah we always do so 100 um, well, since it's 39 weeks, technically, do you have a different size of your baby or is it just the size of a baby? No, cause this time it's 39 weeks now, but when this comes out, you it will be will, the size of a much bigger newborn. We'll hopefully be here. Please, dear God. I don't think it's, it'll even be possible at that point. Um, 
Yeah, it won't even be the size of a newborn baby. It'll just be a baby. Right. At this point. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Check Instagram. I don't know if I'll post on there, but if I do, that's where it'll be. So. Yeah, it's probably weird for people to hear this once the baby's already here. I know. We're just living in La La It's probably land, so. weird for me to hear. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be trippy. This is probably the trippiest of, like, future past things in yeah, my yeah, life yeah. anyway. So Look, we'll I told you this year you would meet your children, and you had all the things to say about it, and now we're proving it right. <laughs> to be fair, last year I tried, and it really didn't work for me. So. Okay, Fair. <laughs> So I I don't want to get my hopes the year. (laughs) 2021 is the year. You called it this year. (laughs) It's the year of sandwiches and the year of babies. So. Oh, man. We did have some. We had a a fried chicken sandwich. We had some sandwiches. Oh, we had some good sandwiches. I'm always wondering. I learned Christine loves loves a good bagel sandwich. I mean, I already knew that, but it's carried over to Kentucky. On the last day, I kind of did kind of ruin Em's life by getting like a trout salad and horseradish bagel sandwich. I was was like, like, you want me out of here. I get it. I want the baby out. I'm trying anything. (laughs) Anyway, well, I uh, I'm glad that you're I'm speaking. I'm manifesting this. But by the time this comes out. I'm so happy to know that your baby is here and healthy and a, a, a oh, bouncing little babe. So. And I'm so sweet and so cute. And I've seen the pictures on Instagram. Looks amazing. Oh, Looks you've seen like more a, than pictures on Instagram. You'll probably I, be FaceTiming me as I'm like, like. I've seen a video of your cervix or something at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's all I've got. I me think. too, man. Okay. Um, hmm. What are you going to order for lunch? Great question. Well, here it's dinner time almost. So, um, oh, great question. Maybe some Thai. What about you? I'm looking obviously at the factory. I'm looking at the, the factory. factory, the CF, yeah. the CF, big CF. Maybe I'll change uh, my mind and do that too. Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm me and my future full belly of cheesecake. Uh, wish you and everyone listening a and pleasant week. I hope you all have a great week and you are loved and are safe and you are loved and drink some water. You're loved, wanted, safe. Yes. And hydrated. Okay. And? That's why we drink. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.